0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatou Tuso And I'm Anne Friedman. On this week's agenda, dealing with the fallout of the horrible Trump administration policies toward asylum seekers and immigrants, that Angela Merkel photo, the dictator summit, all kinds of horrible news this week. Plus, we get real about mental health and what it means to actually talk about depression and mental health in the culture of a Friendship. Hi Ann Friedman. Hey Amina So How's your summer?
1: Girl, we are out here. Is it officially summer yet? Yeah, like officially.
0: In the seasons. I mean, I I feel like my thighs are chafing and my ankles are constantly inflamed with bites of some kind. So that is like <laughs> summer is here.
1: <laughs> I'm like, have we experienced a solstice yet? It doesn't matter, truly. Every month since it's been warm has been summer
0: for me, so I'll take You it. know what has always cracked me up about the summer solstice is that it's my parents' wedding anniversary, and, like, that <laughs> might lead you to believe that it's kind of like a woo-woo, like, we've chosen this, like, auspicious, like, you know, day for our wedding, and really it's, like... Longest day of the year. Listen, I mean, welcome to <laughs> one million, like, literal dad jokes in my life. Like, longest day of the year. It's like, oh, my God. I Anyway... <laughs> happy happy almost solstice <laughs> to all you love birds. <laughs> oh
1: my god, I love it! I love it. It sounds like very witchy and cool. Oh my god, it's
0: not. It's definitely not. Um, in, uh, in in very important exciting news. Uh, Ooh, tell me. Today marks the relaunch of the CYG shop.
1: Woo, woo, shopcyg.com.
0: Look at that, brand new website. Yeah, and to give you the lowdown on why we've been away for a while and what is new slash like a little businesswoman special behind the scenes, Carly Knowles, our merch maven, is going to tell you about it.
2: Hey, CYG listeners, this is Carly, the Call Your Girlfriend merch maven. We recently relaunched the shop and have a new home at shopcyg.com. Shine Theory and ML Pens are back in stock along with the new Shine Theory Bestie Pack and a super soft CYG Summer Tee. Along with the relaunch, we've also switched shop platforms and made the switch to fulfillment service to help us out with shipping. After our huge summer presale last year, we realized we'd outgrown our current setup of me shipping everyone's orders out solo and needed to get help with our order fulfillment. Finding both a company willing to work with a small shop like us along with a business we felt good about working with took a few months but we're thrilled to be back open. Along with getting your orders out much, much faster than before, the CYG shop will now be open 24-7 and I'll have more time to focus on developing new products for the shop. We always love getting shop feedback, so please let me know what you're loving and hating about the new shop setup and what products you'd like to see us carry. You can email me directly at cygmerch at gmail.com. Look at Carly, always making magic happen.
0: Thriving. You know, we are a small but powerful team here at CYG.
1: (laughs) You know, Carly's superpower is just picking out the softest cotton, so I'm very excited in my t-shirt. It
0: is true. It is like, I didn't realize I had a life goal, which was that the softest t-shirts I own are actually ones I also sell. Like, who knew that was a goal until we achieved it?
1: (laughs) You know, shout out to merch. It's like
0: all good. I'm very happy about it. (laughs) Yeah, and shout out to all the other teeny tiny businesses like us that are kind of caught in this weird middle ground of being too much work for one human being, but not enough work to justify like a full fulfillment manufacturing operation. Um, So anyway, yet another reason why it is good to like shop small and support businesses like that because they are working really hard in a way where there's like this huge market gap and are not being supported. So shout out to Carly. Shout out to our small biz peers.
1: Love it. What are we talking about today, Boo Boo?
0: (sighs) I mean, buffet of horrors today. Like truly, I'm (laughs) sorry to tell you, but like, like, like thinking about like all the things that are happening in the news right now. And I just, I really struggle to find something that is not like all out. Like war on vulnerable people, awful. It has been difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know it. You know, I know that we talk about this a lot. Just this, like, when is it going to get really bad in the country or whatever? And the truth is that it is incredibly hard for a lot of people right now. And uh, I keep thinking about all of the the like horrific immigration stories that we are hearing right now. Whether it is children that are being snatched away from their parents at the border or this new directive from the Department of Justice that's literally saying that they are no longer uh, going to allow people who are victims of domestic and gang
0: violence to ask for asylum. Yeah, and this is one of those things that, like, Like a lot of stuff in the news, it's not like these are newly vulnerable populations under this administration, but it's also like this escalation of the language. And it also comes in concert, like especially a lot of people have been pointing out when it comes to people who are threatened with gang violence. Like how can you out of one side of your mouth say that... Gang members are animals, and out of the other side of your mouth, say people fleeing gang violence do not have a place in the United States. like we will not keep right. This safe. and
1: also and also remember the condition that's created a lot of these gangs in Central America is actually like America created those. sure. and people are running away from terrible conditions in their own countries and they're asking for asylum. And the thing that honestly that really infuriates me about this is that, the way that the DOJ and Jeff Sessions are really positioning it is that people are just, like, showing up at the border to, you know, like, whatever, like, freeload on America. And it's like, actually, we have this thing called the 1951 Refugee Convention, and it's a legally binding document that even the United States has signed. Even the United States. Yeah, I'm like, it is a right of people from all over the world to seek asylum. Like, it is not this, like, crime... All of the talk around refugees and asylees is really like it's really gross because people forget that like people are leaving incredibly vulnerable situations. It's like, excuse me, Jeff Sessions, nobody wants to come to your piece of shit country to like live alongside you. People are coming because they are fleeing like conditions that your country has created for them.
0: Yeah, and in the case of immigrants who are experiencing domestic violence, uh, in many cases, the people who are being violent toward them are using their immigration status as a threat. And guess what? Like the culture that this administration is creating in terms of how immigrants are viewed allows those abusive partners to like continue to threaten and say, "Look, like if you report this, no one's going to believe you, and you're going to be deported." Like it's it's this like circuitous, awful system where like it's it has been there. Like, you know, when the Violence Against Women Act was up for renewal, I want to say in 2013, it, you know, in the not too distant past, in the Obama years, the provisions related to immigrant survivors of domestic violence were up for debate then. And even then, I'm just thinking about our episode about scammers last week. Like even then, those people in debates like on the, the Senate floor were portrayed as people who were trying to scam their way into the country, like not people who are trying to get out of a dangerous and violent situation. And so like it's been there, but now it's just like, you know, the people who are in charge of all this shit are just saying it openly.
1: Oh. Right. And it's really infuriating when you think about like all these politicians that claim that they're like pro-family and they're pro-life. And, you know, like, don't do abortions and uphold life for, you know, no matter the cost. And then you think about what they are doing to families at the border right now. It is really, really, really disgusting. Because separating children from their parents for whatever fucked up reason that you have, it's not okay. It's not okay. And historically, it has happened before. Black and brown bodies get separated from their parents for many reasons. Children got separated from their parents in the Holocaust also. And it is just like history is repeating itself and they're using policy to do this. And also like they're weaponizing the goodwill that so many people have towards refugees and towards asylees. Like it's not... It's true that like we have a crisis. It's like there's so many people that are in danger in Central America that they want to come to the United States. The answer is not to close the border or to make conditions untenable for them because there are also all these stories in the news right now about people who are getting deported in really messed up conditions where they've like been here since they were three years old or whatever or they have a family here, they own homes here. And for whatever reason, we are going after like people who are not historically have not been a priority to deport and they're being deported and they're dying. Like we're hearing so many stories about people who are dying to gang violence in Mexico, for example. And it really, really, really distresses me that this is happening and that we are watching it happen. And the best that we can do is like shrug Um, maybe we'll vote in new people in four years. It's like, no, this is like very despicable. And it is happening right now today in the United States. It's not okay.
0: Right. And also, I have to say, too, that like what we let our government get away with doing to the most vulnerable people here, like asylum seekers, immigrants, is what we're telling them is acceptable, full stop. Anyone who is setting up kind of like a false, like these people over here and me over here, like two different kinds of people in this country is like, is fooling themselves. Like you are playing yourself if you think that this is like something that affects like one class of people over there that does not have ramifications for how everyone in this country is viewed and treated. And I don't know, I keep thinking about this. Like, you know, I read an article in the New York Times this week about a small town in Tennessee where there was a huge immigration raid. The town is less than 20,000 people. Actually, hang on, I can find the population. It's a very small town. And it's it's basically about the entire community, um, everyone who lives in this place, struggling to both, like, comprehend why you would do this to families who are, like, just trying to live their lives and work. And also, why would you do this to, like, everyone who cares about them? I mean, they're, like listening to teachers talk about the heartbreak of trying to continue to teach their students when the kids don't know where their parents are or if they're coming home. I mean, like, you know, the idea that you can somehow enact policies like this without truly fucking up everyone who, like, (laughs) is in this country is just so wrong. Like, I just, I don't know, this idea that you can mentally separate that is, it might be true in the short term for people like Jeff Sessions, but it is definitely not true in the long term for all of us.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's just, like, really messed up when you think about, like, the the global order of, or like, the world that we live in, right, where we are all party to these conventions. United States is, like, a member of the United Nations until further notice, at least. And for now. The fact, you know, like, for now, these are promises that we have made. This, like, really kind of retro idea that, like, People want to just like flee to America because it's the, you know, like, I don't know, the land of milk and honey and whatever. It's like, yeah, part of that is true. But if you're also watching what's happening right now, like America is not like a hot place to be. Everything is actually falling apart here. And the fact that like the people who are in power, like I'm thinking about the G7 meeting recently and how like terrible it was. And it's like America is losing standing in the world. And that is apparent in the way that we are treating people who are seeking asylum. If you don't know what it takes to get asylum in the United States, I really, really encourage you to find out. You can go to USCIS.gov and see how that process works. I was in that process for over three years, and it was not a walk in the park. And all that it is is that you are asking for asylum. That is a legal right that everybody should have. What the government is doing now is telling people that they don't have the right to seek asylum. Like, that is really, 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 really despicable. It really, it's really discouraging to me. Like, it is outrageous, and it is going to have so many more ramifications that we are thinking about now.
0: Yeah, um, so... God. And I think that like, that's why when I think about other things that were all over the internet this week, like that picture of Angela Merkel, the photo looked like her standing up to Trump, which like, we all know it's a summit. Lots of people were like, not telling the horrible Cheeto president what he wanted to hear, right? Like, this is happening a lot. But like, this photo that like, that everyone was sharing is because it like expresses this feeling that we all have of like who is going to like stand up and and not like just who's going to stand up as in we all definitely have a responsibility to do that but like who can check like at at like the top levels of power like the people who are perpetrating this stuff you know well but the thing
1: about like I was looking at that picture and you know it was funny for two seconds and then it was terrifying oh I don't think it's funny at all Because truly, like, what is going on is that, first of all, the thing about it that is so infuriating is I'm like, Donald Trump, if you had read a fucking book, you would know that, like, the G7 or, you know, what was (laughs) known as the G8 was actually set up by the United States. It was like, all of this bullshit that you hate, your country actually created for, like, assurances for the future. So you create the alliance and then you fuck it up. And now. I'm like all of these countries like they're going to get frustrated and in a sense like they can leave and we can't I'm like (laughs) we leave here but I'm like Europe and Canada is just going to look at America and like they're like we're gonna leave you in the dust form
0: a new alliance yeah (laughs) you know what I mean
1: and it's true it's already happening it's like infrastructure in this country is garbage like social policies in this country is garbage like you try anywhere that you travel overseas you're like hmm America not so popping right now it really 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 worries me because on One hand, it's like, okay, great, like presidents will come and go, but peace and prosperity are hanging on by a thread at any moment. And this is the fucking idiot that we have, you know? And to also watch the visual of him, like, get angry at justin trudeau our favorite scammer <laughs> you know
0: like get angry like, don't at make us and choose like, sides
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like don't make me choose sides you know but i'm like i you know i was like please give canada all of the tariffs that they want like my god you know but it's like he's waging a trade war with canada like american canadian relations are the most tense they've been since like 1812 like that's shocking and to do that and then turn around the next day and then go meet the like evil, brutal dictator from North Korea and tell him that he is honored to meet him. Mm-hmm. Like something that like when you remember when Obama was running in twenty twelve and he was like, I'll sit down with any bad regime and all the like the Republicans oh, and the Tea Partiers or whatever? Out. They freaked out. like called him a traitor. And it's like like I'm like, your guy literally he literally put the American flag next to the North Korean flag. He is giving a thumbs up to the most brutal dictator that is alive today. And it's going to be used in the loop for propaganda. Every Like, your guy is the idiot. And to watch him, like, just be able to do that and then say that, like, you know, that Kim Jong-un is, like, talented. And that he, you know, like, he's just a young man trying to find his way. Some days this stuff is, like okay, ha ha, maybe we'll get through it. And then other days you're like, wow, like history is unfolding in front of my eyes. And this is terrifying. And this week has felt that way.
0: I tell you, there was a York times op ed. Uh, he- it was about like, you know, climate change. And it was about it was written by, I believe, an astrophysicist. But the headline, which I clicked immediately because it captured how I was feeling was Earth will survive. We may not. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so it's so bleak but like like uh, honestly like that that is the feeling this week and I almost hate like I almost hate recording the show when I'm like I can't think of anything good to say like you know we've had like episodes where we're just like this is all bad like what are we even what are we even talking about it's so depressing but like you know you're so right when you say that, like, we kept being like, okay, just wait till it gets really bad. And it's like, okay, like, ding, ding, ding. We hit it. It's here. Like, there's not. Yeah, yeah, it's here.
1: And the thing is that, like, if you don't pay attention for how bad it's for other people, that shit will sneak up on you so fast. That's the other problem, too, right? Is that, like, when all these, like, idiot buffoons are gone, every single one of them that came with Trump, the damage that they're doing, like, it, like that bell is going to be really hard to unring, whether they're here or not. Right.
0: It's Points like this where I'm, like, all all I got is, like, some, like, donate protest midterm elections, like, on repeat. Like, that's, like, all I have.
1: Donate protest, like, in the grand scheme of history, you could be the one that is seeking asylum somewhere one day. And to know that, like, you don't understand how it works or that you don't know what it means for you or your family. Like, people are touched by, like, refugee status at some point in the generation in their family. yeah, And it just, I don't know. It's like, it's making me really emotional. I just like, I just cannot believe that this is, you know, I'm like, wow, this is America now, like in, in ways that are like really shocking and terrifying and it is going to get worse. Well, And
0: I also think that there are things that like, okay, here is me telling you like everyone who, you know, is not a lawyer or like was not aware of this, that like, you can go sit in on immigration proceedings. This is like public court proceedings. You yep. if you're someone with a flex schedule especially and you have like some availability on the weekdays or like let's say you work in the kind of city center of the place where you live, which is like near immigration court, for example, you can go and you can like sit in and you can see what this process looks like for people and like how difficult it is for them. And it is an adversarial
1: court process, like 100%. Unless,
0: you know, unless you kind of like win the casino, like get a good judge, right? Like there, there's also been some good reporting about this that we can link to, but like basically, it is a roll of the dice what kind of immigration judge you get at a hearing like that. And so let's say you don't love someone who's applied for asylum before. Like, let's say you don't come from a a family with, like, mixed immigration status. This is a thing that you can educate yourself about by showing up. And you don't need, you know, they're they're not going to, like call you out and be like, what are you doing here? You know, like you are totally within your rights as a citizen to show up and observe. It's also totally within your rights as a citizen to call your police department or your county sheriff and ask what their policies are, how they are cooperating with slash resisting the directives they're getting from ICE and just educating yourself on that front. Like you don't even have to wait for there to be a local news article telling you everything you need to know about this issue. Like, you can call and just be like, I'm a citizen and I want to know, like, how are you using my tax dollars in this context?
1: Right. And also find out what organizations in your community like help resettle asylees and refugees. Like I work with a group here in Brooklyn, and it's been really, really cool to resettle a couple of Iraqi families, for example. And I'm going to give a plug to one of our sponsors, Casper, that on the low has been really great about giving us mattresses every time that we have asked. And it's been really cool. But you know, it's, it sounds really cliche, but it's like, get to know people from other cultures. Like, know why they are here. And also, like, it truly, in the grand scheme of things, like, what does it cost you personally to help a stranger? Probably nothing. It is going to cost you your soul not to do anything about it. Right.
0: It's true. Yeah, like, minimum minimum things to do. And that's the other thing that, like, actually, we've gotten to a point where it's not like doing that stuff makes me feel better. But at least, like... You know, having some firsthand knowledge of what's going on and feeling like, you know, the lay of the land, like in your own backyard, I think is very, very important so that, you know, when like, you know, when there is a policy change that says, like, guess what? The local police in your district are going to be required to comply with ICE now, whereas in the past they could be like, cool directive, man, we're not really going to follow that that's the thing you want to know about because that makes like your entire community less safe. And that like, that means that your neighbors totally. are like literally living in fear now.
1: Right. You know, and it's also like, you know, going back to a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago about like, when you feel safe to call the police, for example, to deescalate a situation or whatever is to really start to think like, what does it mean when I exert my privilege in a place? You know, I'm just like, if you have black or brown friends, you should definitely not be in the habit of calling the police willy nilly. Like, that is just a thing that you should consider. But I'm thinking about um, last week in Brooklyn, there was a story about a delivery driver who went to deliver to an address on a military base that is here in Brooklyn. Yes, shocker, we have military bases in Brooklyn. The restaurant had delivered to that place multiple times before. It had never been an issue. And this time they asked him for his ID. New York City has an ID program that everybody can join. It's IDNYC. You can find out about it online. And it is just a free city ID card. San Francisco also runs a similar program. I know because I had one when I was not able to have a like federal ID. And... The idea of this city ID card is that New York, like San Francisco, are um, sanctuary cities. And they're basically telling people who cannot get regular ID for immigration problems for, you know, like you name it, that here is an ID that they can have and they're able to receive city services for it. And also like they can be identified by it. This person had their ID card. The minute he showed up on the military base, they were like, hmm. This sounds like a card that is not legit. And then they looked him up in the system and found that there was a warrant out for his deportation and they were trying to deport him. Uh-huh. And as a Brooklynite, it is upsetting for like many, 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 many reasons. And as a New Yorker, it's infuriating for many reasons. And my thing is that like, if your city has a program like this, you should apply for the ID card, whether you need it or not. And you should start using it in places because we need to make these kinds of identification like normal for people to carry you should be able to fly with it you should be able to get go to a bar with it you should be able to like get on a base with it but the thing is that like if only people who present as immigrants have them it is just another way to discriminate against them so like get to know like what the like policies are in place for refugees in your, and for undocumented people in your city and find out ways that you can participate with them and ways that you can show solidarity across all lines. So if you live in New York, you should definitely get a free city ID card. You get like discounted museum memberships and like cool stuff with it. So it's 100% worth it. And it is a way to make it normal to have alternative identification.
0: Totally. I love that. And I also just want to like make one final plea to to find a buddy to do some some of this stuff with like for me especially since the election it has been life changing to have people who I know are also interested in actually like being action oriented about this stuff and saying hey look like we are both going to commit to doing like one thing a week keep me in the loop when you hear about a thing Bring me with you when you do something, and I'll do the same. And I think like that—that that has made a really big difference for me. So like, as with most things, like being in community about how you're doing this, rather than like, f- like freaking out privately and quietly, and like adding it to your huge to-do list and then never getting there. <laughs> um, you know, like there's a better way. Like there is a better way. So that's what I'm trying to do as well. Some accountability.
1: Oh, so much work to do. So much work to do. week has just like been hard for both of us <laughs> you know and just like on a personal level on a like life level everything and I you know and I'm sure that it's like a hard for people who have been like listening to the show as well and reading the news about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain dying by suicide has been it's been really really tough to process you know I like I know that for me it's it's brought a lot of just feelings about friends and loved ones that i've had who have died by suicide or friends that have attempted suicide and you know and and like our country has like garbage mental health just help in general and i know that you know on this week where it's like we're dealing with a lot And, you know, and today we're like, here are all these things that you need to do to like be a good citizen and help refugees in your area. I think that it's also important to remind people that uh, you're not superhuman. We can only do the best that we can do. And this thing is truly like training like a marathon, you know. So sometimes you need to take a break and like take care of yourself. And that doesn't make you like lesser than or not engaged or... You know, It's like, don't worry, the fight will always be here. So taking truly some time out to take care of yourself, like you are always your number one priority, is something that is really important to remember.
0: Yeah, and also that just because something that is, frankly, really difficult and really hard day in and day out is not something that is always externally visible, is not something that is recognized and accommodated by the wider world, does not make it any less valid. And um, and yeah, and thank you for bringing this up like right after talking about like other horrible political <laughs> stuff too, because it is a hard line to walk, right? Of like the cycle of being like, oh, well, what right do I have to feel like this because I have so much? Like look at all these other people who are suffering. Like that kind of thinking is also lies. Just because like the world is going down in flames does not mean that like Pain that you are feeling is also not valid if it is not like happening in the headlines, for example.
1: Yeah, and there's no shame in like feeling like you're overwhelmed. Everything is overwhelming right now. There is literally, there is too much happening. (laughs) And that's just like what's happening externally. You know, like we all have stuff that are happening also like in our own tiny worlds. And sometimes you can really, really, really feel like you don't have the capacity to deal with all of that stuff so there's no shame in taking care of yourself like mental health truly is wealth and being vulnerable with your family and friends and your loved ones about what you're going through is like it can truly be life-changing and it is like not your fault it's like it's a chemical imbalance like a lot of us go through it and all of this nonsense external stimuli like doesn't help either I am finally at a place like with my like depression where it almost feels comforting that other people go through it because I like truly know now that it is, that it is a very common thing, but there are just like days, you know, or weeks like last week was awful for me where I was like, okay, this is, it's almost like a common cold. You got to let it pass through the body, but there are also like a lot of coping strategies that you can use. And, and I have found for me that like talking to friends is useful getting up every single day and taking a shower and going for a walk, even when I don't want to is really useful. And above all else, like taking my meds. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have, and I have to say like, so I'm someone who does not have depression, does not really have much I my, my struggles are not in the mental health column. Let me just put it that way, which does not mean I, <laughs> does not mean I do not have struggles, but like I, I really have thought about how, especially when I was younger, I wish I had been better about initiating conversations with my friends who I knew had depression or anxiety or things that were, you know, a recurring part of their lives and, and initiated a conversation with them at a point when I knew they were not, like, really in it. Like, you know, at a point where, like, things were kind of more stable or when, you know, we were together and, like, we were the two of us were good with each other and just kind of saying, like, hello, like, can we talk about, you know, what happens when you are in the throes of this for real and, like, let's talk about, like, things that, like, I can do proactively when it happens again. Like, I see that this is a thing that happens and you do not have to, like, figure out what to do about it when it's, like, happening in real time, but, like, maybe we should talk about this now is something that is, like, a real, is a really powerful thing about ongoing friendship. I mean, one of my oldest friends has had depression since she was 14. Like, you know, I've known her the whole time that she has had this illness. I've known her as long as she's known depression. Let me put it that way. (laughs) And it really had like a formative effect on me in the way that I think about this stuff. And so just, I know that, you know, we are in a minority, those of us who are like not thinking about this and dealing with this, but like thinking about how you kind of systematically in your friendships or in like a really high level way, address it or think about it as part of like the care that you provide and receive as part of a friendship, I think is, has been really important for me. And also it's like, it can be so hard to know. I think that like the flip side, the older I get, the more I'm like, when a friend drops out of communication, really forcing myself to notice like, okay, like what do, what, what do I know about this friend? and like Like, what are the, what are the reasons they are likely to drop out of communication with me? And like, you know, just kind of being the one to do the math and be a more aware and conscientious and loving and caring friend if this is not something that you know that you are dealing with yourself in a in a personal way i think is is important so i don't know separate separate plea to the tiny segment of our audience who who share who who's with me in this kind of like weird we don't have depression corner it's interesting because like for all the the talk about friendship and community support that we have here and for all of the postings that are like check on your friends in the wake of you know, news about anything having to do with mental health or suicide, it's like not very well embedded in a lot of like friendship culture, if
1: that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I, it's funny when I saw a lot of the pleas on like check in on your friends or whatever, I actually got a little annoyed and like pushed back on Twitter because I know that this is true for me and I've talked to other people who experience the same things where a lot of times when people ask you how you're doing, you just lie because it is just like easier to not be honest about what is going on in your life than it is to actually talk. You know, like it, it just feels it's so heavy to talk about and this is nobody's fault, right? It's not your friend's fault or people who check in on you is that the truth is that like sometimes we are just not equipped you'd like do not have the tools to do the thing that needs to happen to get this person better. That's a national health crisis that we're having. It is nobody's like fault per se, but I do think that you're right that embedding it in the language of like a friendship and in the culture of friendship is so important because I know that for me, at least all of the times where it has made a difference when somebody has checked in on me, it's not that they were checking in, but that it was truly somebody who like knew me on that like molecular level, you know, where I know that you have a sixth sense for like when I am in crisis (laughs) because the signs are like the signs are all there at this point. It's like cliche. I'm like, Oh my God, if I don't get out of bed today, Anna's going to call me. Uh, it can't be. I mean, <laughs> and, then how many... like, and then it's like, I have to beat your phone call, you know, your, or your check-in.
0: <laughs> how many annoying, upbeat voice memos can I send you before you just cancel me? <laughs>
1: just never, 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 you know, but the, but the thing is that like that stuff matters. And I think that like something that you have challenged me a lot in our friendship as somebody who like goes through these episodes is to like, when things are good to have a plan and think about it more as like okay this is this has happened it will recur again it will keep happening and what are ways that we can like truly take care of each other and how we can hear that because here's the thing it's like when you're depressed like no amount of people telling you that they love you like gets through you know what i mean it's like it takes the light it takes the light a long time to pierce that darkness but like there are coping strategies that you can make that will make it better every day and like that's why i'm so militant about like people going to therapy and people taking medicine i know that everybody has their own different view on like depression drugs or whatever and i will say that for me it has saved my life and that i am i'm i am i feel very lucky that one i have access I have access to them and I feel lucky that I have access to mental health care professionals. And even with all of those advantages, it seems unsurmountable sometimes. But I think that there is something also about just like being honest with everybody in your life that these are things that you struggle with. Because the one thing that I found is that like some of the most successful people that you know struggle with mental health. And some people in your life that do a lot of like labor that you're not aware of also struggle with mental health. And that the more that we can have, you know, like in your own like friend community, like honest conversations about it, the better equipped a lot of those people will be to support you. Right. When you are going through a hard time and there is truly no shame. There is like you got a couple broken neurotransmitters, just buy some, you know, like it's <laughs> totally, <laughs> there oh. is just, there is just like no shame. There is truly no shame because I know that I used to feel this acutely where I was like, okay, like if I work hard enough or I give myself enough space or I give myself the weekend, you know, like it was like, um, it was almost like depression and my anxiety. They were like, I had it in my willpower to change oh, that. Oh no. And, and that honestly, like, made it even worse. And when I finally realized that I was like, oh, no, this is, like, chemical imbalance legit. Like, I, there is no amount of willing this away, of wanting it to go away, or doing work, or, you know, like, everybody's always, like, exercise. And I'm like, my God, at what price? You know, like, all, <laughs> of, all of these things where I really just had to have, like, a come to Jesus with myself where I was like, listen, this... Is an illness, like many other illnesses. There are many ways to get over it. But I have, the first thing that I have to do is admit that I cannot will it away by like sheer willpower and force. That it's not going to happen. Right. And that was transformative for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I also think that like, I mean, it's funny. Every time you're like, Ann Friedman levels of productivity, I want to be like, girl, I got the good neurotransmitters. Like, it's not like I'm well, like better. It's like truly just, I got lucky.
1: The biggest laugh you've ever given me is one day when I was accusing you of being productive and you just looked at me and you were like, yeah, I don't have a mental illness. <laughs> I was just like, that is so real. But also just like hearing you acknowledge that, I was like, oh, wow. Like that's, you know, I was like, oh. And you know, and we talk about a lot of stuff. Even in that moment, I was like, okay, thank you. New level of friendship unlocked."
0: (laughs) Whereas I'm like, like, I'm just stating the obvious. Like, yeah,
1: I'm like, just got one more life for the next round. (laughs) We can, we can handle this. But it's true. You know, like even in friendships where you think that you have like real talk or whatever, like there's always room to like talk about more stuff and depression and anxiety and, you know, like just going through the the hard like mental health stuff of life is normal it is it has like presented itself throughout history in every single human being it does not make you lesser than it is just a challenge that you're going to have to work with and yeah. like yeah i just i just want everybody to feel safe and supported so don't talk to us about it. We are not equipped, but like, please, please, please talk to your family and friends about it. If you are in the United States, you can text home to seven, four, one, seven, four, one. That's the crisis text line. I am not ashamed to say that I have used it and it is legit and awesome and if you hate the phone the crisis text line will totally sort you out if you love the phone you can call <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding No, no one, one loves, loves the phone. phone are you kidding Whenever no I see the that phone, phone number I'm I like, love you the think phone. depressed it's and anxious true. people I, are calling Listen <laughs> Listen I love the phone and how I know that I'm depressed and anxious is when I don't want to talk on the phone but for those of you who are old school you can call 800-273-TALK and that is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline and they will uh, connect you with uh, resources and your community and you know like I will say this every day of my life there is no shame in asking for help use every tool in the goddamn toolbox and you are so worth it
0: And if you love someone who you know is struggling, like I actually one thing about all the narratives online that's like reach out, tell them you love them. I'm like, you know what? Like it does not have to be like a college commencement speech where you like tell this person everything they mean to you. It's like send a lull, like check in with a little like I love a voice memo because like also thank you for bringing voice memos into my life in a real way. But a voice memo is great because it's like a one-sided way. You can like show your friend, hi, it's me, a human, I'm thinking of you. It doesn't have to be like rocket science. You craft a perfect message that poignantly addresses what you think is going on with them. Like you can just be like, here is like a fun and cute thing on the internet that made me think of you. You can just be like, let me live text you like as I watch this dumb TV show. (laughs) You know, like it, it, it does not have to be, like don't overthink it. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. But like, do do continue to show up for people, and you know, and then when they're um, in a better place, initiate a really straightforward conversation about how you can be a good and supportive friend. Um, that's what I want to tell people in my on my side of this equation. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and also like, it's totally fine to be normal when you ask about like meds and therapy and stuff. Like in the same way you'd be like, is that weird rash still on your thigh? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like in the way that like any (laughs) physical, like like, is your twisted ankle healed? Like, you know, like the same kind of like nonchalance which you apply to normal body stuff should also apply to mental health.
1: Totally, totally, totally. And I'm going to say it again. There is no shame.
0: Ugh. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's it. I don't know that we can talk about anything else right now. I think we
1: can, I think we can wrap this up. I feel very tender. I know. Um... Hey, thanks for being my friend who checks in on me and sends me voice memos when you know that I'm just like laying on the floor crying for three days
0: straight. I see you and I hear you. Thanks for being my brilliant friend who has like the ability to be such a great and loving person in my life despite having like this shit to deal with yourself. I see you and I appreciate you every minute.
1: Oh my gosh. I'll see you on the internet, boo-boo.
0: I'm crying. I'll see you on the internet. Oh. <laughs> Feeling very emotion.
1: Feeling uh. very emotional. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts. where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Bleed, on the Call Your Girlfriend website. Uh, You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF Our theme song is by Robin All original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs Our logos are by Kanisha Snead, And this podcast is produced by Gina
2: Delvac